Okay, so this is Why Am I Like This? A rigorously common sense podcast with a philosophic twist. I'm so glad that I have a guest. Um, and I'm glad that you've agreed to even record this situationship with me. Um, so what do we call you? Civic friend, vague, Josh, none of these uh, you things. You call me Josh. We call you Josh. Okay. Yes. So I have one question that we all have to answer before we dive into the main topic. And the question is from Grace. Why do you even study philosophy anyways? Why do I study philosophy? Yes. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Honestly, I can't really imagine myself doing anything else. Um, I mean, that's not quite true. Like, I obviously could do other things. Uh, but I don't know. This is This is what I like to do is what I enjoy doing um I think yeah I think I was trying to imagine you doing like taxonomy and then like you being really stressed out um, um yeah I could I could like briefly run through like my history if you want <laughs> like, how, how no, I got here no I mean like if I was thinking about you having to be in charge of figuring out what goes into universals which are you know just dominant things like tables and whatnot like I feel like you'd be really stressed because of vagueness <laughs> oh uh, I actually I didn't uh, discover vagueness as a philosophical interest until quite recently actually what led you into that um well I went to grad school planning to study free will which is why I ended up at Florida State it's a great uh, free will school um, but uh, I spent like two years ish studying free will and got kind of just bored with it um bored with the topic i didn't i didn't wasn't a huge fan of how free will debates are approached it's kind of like well here's this scenario and in this scenario the agent is clearly morally responsible for what they do so whatever control capacities they have you know must be sufficient for free will like you know frankfurt cases and whatnot mm -hmm. and i was like well i kind of want my theory to tell me about the cases not the cases to tell me about the theory uh-oh um, yeah, I'm echoing Mill in that thought. Uh, he says that about in, in uh, his book on utilitarianism. Um, well, don't other people think that the theory should be before what goes on? Yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not alone in this thought. Right. It's just, you know, I just like I think in the like free will debate, right? There's so much. Just like here's some here's a manipulation case, and here's another case where like this, with the you know the the person was designed as a zygote before. And like, well, I, you know, if you're asking me, do I think this person has free will, just like as like an intuition, I have no idea how to go about answering that question. So I'm not saying this is all they do. I just, you know, there, there's some pretty good free will scholars out there. Right. Uh, I just kind of got bored with the debate. Um, so then I became interested in metaphysics. I was always interested in metaphysics, but I switched kind of focusing to focusing on metaphysics. What is metaphysics for those such as Grace listening to the podcast? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> like, is it after physics? Is it what's, what is in the world? No, so, so broadly construed, I think of metaphysics as being just like kind of about the world. So yeah. like you can think of philosophy can be broken up into a bunch of different sort of categories, right? There's ethics, which is about value and how we should act. And then there's, you know, like, um, 
There's like action theory, which is kind of a combination of ethics and metaphysics, which is like, you know, what is it to act? What is free will? What is intention? That sort of stuff. And then there's there's like logic, philosophy of logic, philosophy of language. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what it says. Uh, <laughs> you know, the name is fairly explanatory. Uh, and then metaphysics is just, you know, philosophy about how the world is. Um broadly construed so there's lots of different types of metaphysics i guess but but that's what i think of it as as being and you've study of what there is and you've somehow fallen into this vagueness situation and i you know here's the real question do people that are proponents of vagueness like really hate labels like in real life because i feel like there's a connection there well, I'm not sure what a proponent of vagueness is almost everyone thinks there is vagueness maybe it's just different ways well most everyone does like as far as i know stephen kearns my dissertation director is the only one who thinks there is no vagueness you might have a small sample size though it's an empirical question yeah and i guess you know there's important xfi to be done (laughs) the uh, the folk think of vagueness but so what is it first of all and then like answer my question about common sense yeah like and then answer my question about common sense labels Okay, Uh, so vagueness is this phenomenon where um, many of the things that we say or the utterances we make or the the, the, uh, predicates, which are just like a signing of a property to a thing, uh, don't appear to be super precise. So it doesn't seem like there's like this really sharp precise boundary between the red things and the not red things so if you imagine like a rose that's clearly red and then we put it on this gradient where it like gradually becomes less and less red right uh, we just like slightly change the uh, frequency of the wavelengths of light that it's emitting um, it's kind of strange to think that you know there's this one moment where like the red the red rose undergoes this very small change that's like almost imperceptible to us, right? Like we, as with our human eyes, wouldn't be able to identify the, the difference between the two roses. Um, and yet one of them is red and the other is not red. So that's kind of the problem of vagueness. It's just that the, the term red is vague because it at least appears to lack this sharp boundary. Okay. How's that? That's fine. I I have obviously my own like questions. Um I mean, I guess like the part where we're like, well, there might be a moment in time where we don't even see it or observe that it changes and it seems arbitrary, right? I'm not saying you said that. Um that like it just seems like there could be a fact of the matter, we just can't observe it. Sure. So that is a view called epistemicism, oh. and, it's the, and it's the view that uh, I, I, red, despite, despite you know how we might think of it, red does in fact have this precise boundary. We just don't know where it is, and we kind of can't know where it is. Right. Uh, it's the view that I spend a lot of time arguing against, uh, but it's out there. It is, yeah, um, and also these. You know, vagueness seems to be, like, is it just about what properties? Or... It can be about anything. Okay. Um, because I... just, the, the property case is kind of easy to explain. 
But wouldn't you say, like, let's say you have, you know, I know it comes up with, like, baldness. So, you know, you might think that someone who has a shaved head, you would just look at this person and be like, oh, you're bald. But then if they have, like, one hair, are they actually bald? Um, And I think you can ontologically say, like, okay, they're in fact not bald, even though they look bald. Which would be, what, epistemicism? That would be that. Um, That's kind of a different thing. Well, look, I really don't think bald means completely bald. Okay. I I think, like, the term bald, just as it's used, because I think that um, terms get their meaning from use, right? Right. How, How people use the term is what the term means, right? So, so it would be really, really weird, like, go to the, like, all of the people of the earth and say, guys, you're just all wrong about what you mean by red, right? Right, the, right. You know, all of those apples aren't really red. Red means something different than how you're using it, um, right? Like, that just makes no sense to me. So, like, the word red gets its meaning from the conventions of speakers. Okay, uh, and I think the same is true of bald, right? So we call people bald if they have like one hair on their head. Um, you're just you're bald. Like if if let, like you know let's say like I I, have, I go in and I have what's one hair on my head, and you know the children uh, make fun of me for being bald, and uh, instead of sicking bears on them, God says no 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 he's not actually bald he has that one hair. What. Why would we sick bears on the children? Oh, it's a story. It's a story from the Bible. Uh, some some kids make fun of a bald monk, and God sends bears to eat them. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! That's not that's not okay. Um, maybe maybe the lesson there is we shouldn't make fun of people. Um, but also yeah, that's definitely the lesson. <laughs> but I don't know about the implications of making fun of someone because I think that all of us would end up getting bears <laughs> to come for us. But. I guess. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, God, God, the God of the Bible is not good at proportionate responses. Or the of the Old Testament or the New Testament. This is an Old Testament story. I see. I see. But um, I think I think all the God. That's fair. Anyway, this okay. So this is not that kind of podcast. So, um, well, not yet. Anyway, so I guess my question is: so the way we use terms is conventional, and for some things like like I was speaking about like labels earlier so it seems like you someone could call me friend and be right in their sense of the uh-huh. term and like I would not consider them my friend and so like what so if normal like it seems like we could either be speaking very sloppily across the conventions there could be a fact of the matter or it's just kind of informed by your theory Sure. Uh, so two people can pick out different things with the same word. Um, and in such cases, maybe they're having what we would call just a merely verbal dispute. They're just arguing about the semantics, mm-hmm. but they agree on all of the underlying facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and in other cases, uh, you know, they, they actually have a difference of opinion um, about whether or not, like, like, um, so it kind of matters whether or not you call someone a friend. I, I think so. Um, right. So, so, so let's say uh, you and your inter your interlocutor. Um, let's say Josh. Sure. <laughs> uh, let's say Josh. Well, okay. So I say uh, Janelle, we're friends, and you say, "Fuck off, Josh. We're not friends." Um, we might agree on all of the underlying facts. 
you know, we might agree on our relevant intentions towards one another and our relevant history and all of that. And we just have like sort of different um, criteria for what it takes to be a friend. How would we agree that? Like, I don't understand where we would agree at. Like, well, we've agreed. So, so you would just so if you have like this really strict criteria for friendship, you would think, yeah, no, I, I agree with you about you know all of the events that happened and all of like the mental states that we have regarding each other. It's just you think that that qualifies as friendship, and I don't. Well, no, because I would say no, that wouldn't qualify as friendship. I don't think. I I know. Oh, okay. Um, like I guess I'm like over here, like being some of the moderns. Like that's completely inconceivable. But continue. It's completely. <laughs> what? I'm like I so, can't even so, think so of here, what I'm what I'm saying is we, it, like if we agree on all of the underlying facts, we just have kind of different definitions of friendship, right? I mean, maybe. I, okay, so maybe it would be helpful if I were like, what is your view of friendship? What are your, do you have, like, conditions? And I won't um, attack them. I, I, like, are you asking me seriously or just, no, like... No, so, like, within this example, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I would need to know what you take to mean a friendship is so that I can right. understand. Right, and then so your, 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 your partner, your interlock, like, the imaginary Josh would say something like, oh, you know, we hang out and we have good times. Uh... And you would say, well, I agree that we do. It's just, I think that friendship requires something more than that, right? I think that friendship requires like this deep commitment and this deep taking of the other's ends as their own. Um, and we don't do that. So we're not really friends. Um, so in this case, right, what, I, what I've been trying to get to is like, yeah, we have different sort of definitions of friendship, but we can also be arguing about whose definition of friendship is the right one. Right. And in that case, even though we have different definitions, it's not just a verbal dispute. Right. What? Okay, so what if it's the case, like, let's say that Josh does say, hey, we've been having fun, we hang out, and what if it's just, like, some, you know, character trait that I have, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm fun, and I do like to hang out with people, but I didn't even think of us being in a shared activity. I was just being nice. And then... Example, well, Josh well, so might be sad. In, in that case, I think you're imagining a case in which Josh has misinterpreted your uh, relevant mental states. Well, right. So I, I so, guess so that, in that case, we just disagree about the underlying facts of the world. Okay, because like I was just so thinking we're, we're that we're not even friends in Josh's sense. In that case, he's just wrong about applying the label. I guess that's why I'm like I don't know if like you could like agree about the mental states while also having a different like understanding of what's going on i guess that's what i'm so okay so so janelle thinks that friendship requires uh adopting the ends of the other person as relevant as action guiding for janelle sure and and yeah i know i'm this is not (laughs) no it wasn't a mean sure it was a sure like i'm with it yeah and josh thinks that being friends is just occasionally hanging out and having a good time so Josh would agree with Janelle that he has not adopted her ends as his own. I see. And Janelle would agree with Josh that they hang out and have a good time, right? If if they all they, so they they agree on the underlying facts. Okay. Just have different criteria for what it takes to be a friend. Okay. Okay. There are other it. cases like the one you're describing where uh, they don't agree on the underlying facts, and then there are other cases. Right. So. Mm-hmm. so 
I guess what I'm asking is like, what is supposed to, like, I guess it's unsatisfying to be like, well, it's convention that determines, you know, who. Well, so like, it's convention with, that determines what the words mean. Right. Right. But it's not convention that determines sort of maybe what the words should mean or what the relevant metaphysical truths are. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I, th- I at least think that most people think that like the average person is pretty morally decent uh, I'm gonna get into, uh, man. I said I wasn't gonna say every, anything super terrible, but I, I think the average person is is morally indecent, right? And I kind of include myself in this. I, I think it's really hard to live a good life. A, a Why truly, do you think you're morally indecent? Well, because I'm not terrible. I'm not bad. I just, you know, I just I have a really high standard for good, um, and I think very few people actually live up to that standard. Right. Uh, so. Um, so yeah, so here I think like, you know, everyone kind of uses the word decent, you know, kind of an incorrect way. Incorrect, not in the sense that they don't know what they mean. It's just they're wrong about like, so like, let's say we all like, we all thought the stars were just these little pricks of light that were very close to the moon, right? And that's how we used the word. You know, we, we used the word star and when we used it, what we meant were- We don't mean Janelle. Moon. That's not... Sorry, what? No, I'm just kidding. I said we don't mean Janelle when we use star. Um, <laughs> in the colloquial uh, sense. Just kidding. Okay. Yeah, Bad joke. Yeah. Continue. Uh, hilarious. <laughs> um, so, we, so when we look at the moon and we think about the stars, I mean, what we mean are those little pricks of light that are near the moon. We're just wrong about what stars are. We're not, we, we know what we mean by the term star... We're just like, you know, it's, it's incorrect. So I think the same could be true in, in cases of like of friendship, right? We know what we mean. Josh might know what he means when he says friendship is just hanging out and having good times. But maybe Josh is just wrong about what friendship is. Mm, I don't know. Like, me. so you, you're saying like when Josh is saying that we're having fun and having a good time, we know that Josh means only that, or that he thinks that they're that Josh and Janelle are in a friendship. I'm just uh, trying to get it clear. Could be either okay, you could think either. So, so is vagueness supposed to help us to get like to any truths at all? Capital T truth, not baby T truth. Well, my interest in vagueness. Uh, is more about um, I really like being able to reason right mm-hmm. I think reasoning is this great thing that we've figured out how to do as humans and to help our reasoning what we've done is we come up with this really cool system of logic that preserves truth right um, right so logic you start with truth you follow the rules you end up with truth um, but because we can say things uh, using vague terms uh, if you start with truths expressed vaguely, you can follow the rules and end up with falsehoods, um, which is problematic because we kind of can't help, in my opinion, but think vaguely uh, and speak vaguely. Um, and yet I want to be able to uh, reason. And so my work is focused on kind of patching our vague conceptual capacities and language such that we can 
apply the structures of logic to it. I see. So in that sense, my work is more about um, the formalism of it rather than finding truths. Mm-hmm. Um, so like figuring out like where we can apply this and how we can understand what's going on with vague terms for those that don't understand the such that locution like if you could break it down I'm not really sure I understood that question well it's like so I guess if you were like you know language is sloppy I think Um, and some we speak loosely so when I'm like saying you know my my janellism sometimes people don't understand me but like is you your job your work is to figure out how to make if i'm i'm i could be misunderstanding is making it more precise to reason like how we can become clearer or just like understand okay i do think one of the important tasks of philosophy in any area is to reduce vagueness um so when we when you know Janelle is trying to come up with a definition of friendship, uh, if her definition is really vague, um, such that you know we have like kind of no idea where the boundaries are, uh, good philosophy can reduce that vagueness and kind of narrow down this area where the boundary could be. Um, so that's one perfectly acceptable task of philosophy and i think it's kind of like a general task that all philosophers are engaged in whatever their area it's just trying to reduce vagueness um it's not necessarily the task i'm engaged in so the task i'm engaged in is like um because any no philosopher will ever be able to successfully eliminate vagueness in every area of language, I think, just given the, unless we become something that we're not, like, unless we become super intelligent computers, um, Ooh, that won't not be me. meaty brain creatures like we are. Um, you know, so, so in that case, we might be able to eliminate vagueness, but, you know, humans will never get there, I think. Um, so take like an inference like um, the rose is red the ball is red therefore the rose and the ball are the same color Um, what I'm doing is is, uh, coming up with a way of understanding vagueness that sort of preserves inferences like that. I see. Um, because on some views of vagueness, right, nothing vague is true. So even a, even a statement like snow is white is not true because it's vague. That's, um, but, that, but on that's my bad. view, uh, snow is white is true because uh, on all of the different many precise ways of spelling out that, sa- that statement, uh, it's true that snow is white. I see. That's str- that seems like really stressful. Like if you thought of philosophy, like not your view, but others' view, where it's so strict that nothing could possibly instantiate the proposition snow is white. Yeah. Uh, so if you're Frega, 
you kind of think that, <laughs> that vague sentences are just meaningless, you know, uh, they, they lit- taken literally, they have no meaning. If you're more modern, the, the view is called semantic nihilism. If you're mm-hmm. more modern semantic nihilist, like um, Ted Sider, he's going to say something like, yeah, I know Snow is White isn't true, but it's approximately true. It's good enough, right? We should just say it as though it's true. Just carry on. But it just seems like, like anything that, I mean, this is good this sounds weird but like any it seems like any side um it seems vague like i don't like like hi let me be circular really quickly it sounds it sounds like philosophers have got themselves stuck like how do we like make sure this thing has meaning and then on the other side we need to preserve these kinds of inferences um so that we can still preserve meaning like it's so that's a lot like that would be stressful for me well uh studying a lot of aristotle would be really stressful for me um that's very fair because sometimes he announces like and here i've stated the truth and i have absolutely no idea which part is supposed to be the truth yeah so i think i think this is just a matter of preferences right i would find doing like historical philosophy super stressful like uh just trying to like interpret and read and like really puzzle out what these people were actually saying when they were actually saying it in a language i don't even speak anymore from a social context i'm not from like i would just find that unbelievably stressful and annoying well i find it stressful to talk to everyday people because that's literally what we have to do like when you tell me if you tell me i'm your friend i still have to ask you what you mean by that because i'm a philosopher well sure and I still have to read your papers and figure out what you're doing. So I don't know if it's that much different. Maybe. I, I just like, you know, vagueness is a very live debate right now. Um, there's a lot of people currently working on it. Oh, yeah. I'm not dismissing um, vagueness as a study. I'm just saying that. No, I, I know. I like, know. if you I'm applied it, though. Yeah, it's, like, it's stressful. Yeah, like, if you applied it, right, like, to people and you're like, oh, that's vague. The, let, let's say someone's like can we label our relationship and they're like oh vague this is vague like I mm-mm. well <laughs> isn't it what ours so so here's so here's an example no not our relationship oh I but... was like oh we're definitely just civic friends but continue I'm just kidding okay fine <laughs> uh, uh, roast on the podcast uh well yes should I have expected anything else no I don't think so yeah. Um, so uh, you said relationships. So like, take something like love, right? Love is definitely vague, right? No one has like this clear, sharp definition of love, such that like one more iota of positive sentiment towards the other person means you're in love, and one less iota of positive sentiment means you're not in love. Right. And yet, you can be in love. What? Why? Because like when you're in love, uh, you're like you're kind of far away from that border. Right. To the point where, yeah, like your positive and negative sentiments towards that person might change day to day. But um, what it is to be in love is just to be like so sort of centered in that state that you're not near the edge. Right. Like, you know, it's not like they'll come home wearing some ugly outfit and you're like you and fall out of love. Right. That's just not what love is. Um, so I think that. uh humans are actually fairly good at navigating our vague world. Um, and it's these philosophers who kind of 
need everything to be precise um, that are making the mistake. So like my type of philosophy is how do we get even better at navigating this vague social world that we construct for ourselves? I think that's kind of beautiful in some sense. I know I'm being really sentimental and weird right now. but That's fine. Well, okay, because, you know, there seems to be, like, you have the precise philosophers, and then you have the other ones that are, like, just trying to figure it out. Um, and I think you did a great job explaining everything, but, like, I, I, am, I am one of those philosophers that really would like to know what it is to love someone. Um, sure, and I think good philosophy can be about that. And what good philosophy does there is it, um... I mean, it might not be able to handle it. Like, I'm okay with that. But, you know, I think most people would be like, help me out. Like, I need something. Right. To know... Well, well, so, so there are philosophers who study love, and they come up with, like, you know, look, uh what is it to be in love, right? Well, it's partly to um, feel all of this affection for them. It's partly to adopt their goals as your own, um, right? It's partly to, like, care about their success in the same way you care about your own success. And it's to care about supporting and comforting them for their own sake and all of that, right? Philosophers who study love come, you know, I, I don't actually study it, but I like, read a little bit. Um Right, they they do all of this, um, and so what they're trying to do is just like you know, if you imagine that like love is kind of like this fuzzy sort of amorphous shape, right? They're giving it some structure, but they're not, you know, they they kind of can't uh, make it into like this precise geometrical figure, right? And I, I, there's certainly value in giving it some structure. Um, my work is on like, well, look, I know we can't make it into this precise geometrical figure, but we can still think about it. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I'm here for the dream. Um, but I will tell you that we have gone to half an hour for my second really rigorous, commonsensical podcast. And oh, shit. I know. And I'm really excited that the conversation took us to where we're at about love bizarrely um i did not plan on this talk and i'm going to admit this to my viewers because i'm very bad at lying um but i'm going to go ahead we're gonna say goodbye to our friends oh it's only a half hour show all right that's it fine. is a half hour show josh i can't sit here all night i'm just kidding that's fine. i'm being very hateful. all right well we'll have to do it again sometime when we can talk about where we can let you talk and i'm just not spouting views of my own philosophy it is okay i'm here for the dream okay